Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Needs Some Introduction. This is the third episode of our Mayor of East Town Recap and Reaction show. I'm not as high as this on this one as last week, but we do find out a lot of stuff, maybe too much stuff. Maybe that's my critique. They seem to be uh, doing a lot of exposition very quickly. Subscribe to us on any of your favorite podcatchers if you'd like to get notifications when new episodes are available. The same feed also contains our main show, which is our recommendation show. Last week, we did a 10th anniversary review of Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which, by the way, was back in the top five at the movie theaters in this crazy COVID time. They re-released it, and it went uh, into the top five for the week. You may also want to check out the Harry Nilsson episode that I did with Ian. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to be working with Ian again. We've already recorded the episode, or one of a few episodes that are be upcoming covering the career of Prince. So that's a really exciting one for me. It's one of my favorite artists and incredibly influential to the music we hear today. And that'll uh, start rolling out this Thursday in this same feed. So please subscribe if you're interested. Give us a review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It really does help grow the show. Or drop us an email at needsomeintroduction at gmail.com. If you'd like to receive a form, you can fill out to make a recommendation or give us any feedback you'd like. Just feel free to make a voice memo on your phone and then email it to that same address. Need some introduction at gmail.com. I look forward to your feedback. Let's get on with the show. So I don't normally take notes. I haven't taken notes the first two times. Yeah, and but I felt I, it really helped me last week when I did it, so I mm-hmm. did it again this week. And I had to this time because there were a lot of... <laughs> a lot yeah, of, I also wanted to write down names so that I'm not like scrambling. Okay, now you heard this, a little bit of this already. I wanted to play just a little bit of last week's episode. I'm going to ask you a question about this. Okay, let's do it. This could be, you know, I'm just completely speculating here. But when in the first episode, he said something like, you know, why did he have to buy the house right behind ours? Okay. Now, what I specifically want to call out there is, Sona, were you trying to go for a Pennsylvania accent? (laughs) What was Pennsylvania about that? Oh, no, like right behind ours. I mean, that's like, I think you were doing, I think you were doing a better accent than Kate Winslet. I got to say. That's so <laughs> funny. I don't know. Maybe I subconsciously adopted the accent while talking about the show. <laughs> when you were quoting the show, you actually took on the accent of the characters. <laughs> it might be a skill you didn't know you had. I actually felt the accent was very pronounced last night in a way that I yes, hadn't yes. really picked up on before, but I really did notice it last night. I don't know if it was purposeful or not. I'm going to be a little critical of this episode, but so like we could just start with really high level. What did you think about the episode, you know, in general and, and compared to the last one? I felt like it had a whole other feel from the previous one, from the second yeah. episode. I felt like the second one was a lot about creating drama and dropping clues. And this one, while it, it did have its share of drama and clues, I mean, I felt like the real focus of it was character development. And, you know, we learned so much about these different characters and just in large themes, I have just some general things, which is, 
you know, one, I was wrong about everything last week. <laughs> I was going to call you out on that. <laughs> uh, terrible. Like, I don't, I, I'm scared to even speculate further about anything because my track record is so awful. Uh, you know, first of all, I said Dylan would be dead. He's yep. still alive. <laughs> I think in my defense, I think I kind of wanted him to be dead because <laughs> first of all, he's such an unlikable character. <laughs> and <clears throat> second, there are too many people on this show. Yes. So right. I think I kind of was like, hey, if we can get rid of a couple of these characters, it will be easier for me to figure out exactly what's happening going forward. But, right. you know, as they reviewed, he just narrowly survived. Yeah. And, you know, I also said, and this was my faulty memory. I thought I remembered her friend, Aaron's friend, Jess, saying that Aaron told her Frank was the father. But that was my poor memory. She actually was saying, Aaron wouldn't tell me who the father is, but I think it's Frank. I, I misremembered that also, by the way. I felt like she was saying, yes, exactly that. Right? I guess I was just so riveted by what was going to come next. I wasn't paying attention to the exact way that it was phrased. Uh, but to me, clearly, his willingness to give DNA so easily would rule him out as being the father because that would just be, you know, right. it would it would be not something you're trying to do if you're trying to hide your paternity of this child. I mean, I have got still many complaints about him, but, right, right. but that I think we can clear. And so then the final broad thing I want to say is I would like to see Evan Peters acting drunk in every single episode from here <laughs> forward yes, yes. because it was so entertaining. He was doing like such great work in that scene that I really felt like a flashback to every office happy hour I have been to where somebody drinks too much and starts oversharing. And it really, I mean, it was just a spot on way to convey how drunk he was, the way he was talking, the way he was acting. And I just was like riveted by watching it. Uh, so yeah. those were the three grand things that I wanted to get out there um, up front. How about you? My, my high level was that I uh, I didn't really like the episode. I didn't hate it, but I felt like, and it's funny, I, I never really do this. I, I've obviously never done a recap show, but I've also never kind of had to analyze my response to each episode going mm -hmm. through a show. I never yeah. had the, the need to. So in this case, it kind of is, it touches on pet peeves I have that I probably forgave in other cases, especially if I was like binging something. But uh, since I'm waiting another week for the next episode, it really was this kind of TV writing that bothers me where I really loved the last episode. I thought it was very, very strong and it balanced, you know, giving you clues and leaving some mystery, but developing characters. And here I felt like, once again, like you, you touched on it already, so many characters and they're trying to develop them all at the same time. And I was yeah. like, I had like whiplash. I'm like, what is happening? That's why I said, I literally had to take notes. I normally don't. I had to take notes. Cause I'm like, my God, there's like, there is like 25 things for me to talk about here. And I think they've completely overstuffed the, the episode. And, and I hope what they're doing is they are, um, you know, just setting things up so that they can take things, take things slower going forward. But like you said, why have so many characters in the first place, right? Like it's, it's, you're, it's, it's so cluttered, right? I, I am concerned there are too many characters here, which I kind of felt from the start, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, and I get nervous when I see previews and there are even new people yep. in the previews. Yep. <laughs> um, exactly, exactly. But, you know, for example, in, in this episode, there was so much time spent on her daughter, Siobhan. And yep. I can only think that this is laying groundwork for something that is going to be important to the plot uh, yep. in the future. Like, you know, they, they came back to the idea from the first episode of her girlfriend not really being able to handle her 
edibles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that seems to be a recurring theme in a strange way to right. me. Um, they, you know, planted that seed about when she is watching the videotape of her brother, like who is that female voice because he wasn't getting along with Carrie at the time. So I don't know if that's going to be something that comes back. So I, I mean, I do feel like in that way, maybe they have been dropping clues or maybe right. this is just some character exposition that right. they felt we needed for some reason. But because um, to me, a, a disproportionate amount of time was felt, it was spent on Siobhan, I felt. That, that's another thing I would be critical of the way the show is written also is that I think it's completely normal in a thriller, like you were saying, whether it's a movie or a show to basically do character exposition that could double as a clue potentially. And then normally, you know, that's when you kind of get like, you know, in a, in a good one, you kind of get blindsided, I should say, uh, by by like a revelation at the end, right? Because you just thought you were getting character development. Yeah. This almost has the opposite feel where, like you were saying, it feels a little heavy handed so that it's like, is this character development or are these all clues? And But the problem yeah. is, of course, if you're thinking about that for every single character in the plot, it gets to be a little uh, tiring, right? So I think it was a little like, once again, just I thought just way overstuffed. The first thing I have is the title. So it's called Enter Number Two. Any yes. idea what that's about? What is that about? You know, I felt the other titles were so transparent. And this one, uh, I was thinking, you know, why is this going over my head? I must be missing something really obvious. The only thing I can think is it's like Enter the Second Suspect being the yeah. priest. That's what I was thinking. Uh, yeah. But it was, I mean, it, it's kind of, uh, it's not as direct as I would prefer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's too and it's too cutesy, right? If you're saying like enter number two as like this is suspect number two, it's like you're talking about the show. And it's like it's you know what I mean like once again you're not talking about the themes of the show anymore. So it's like I don't know. It's, it was weird. Yeah, I, we didn't even like the title. No, <laughs> exactly. I did no, like exactly. This episode, uh, I'm like you. I did like the episode, but I, I agree with you. I, I don't like the title. I feel like it's a little bit too subtle. Uh, I don't know if it's yeah, like you said. I don't know if it's trying to be cutesy, but yeah, that's um, what I actually wrote down. I said cute, but not thematic. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so then uh, message next week, please. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, change the title before the next week. Um, so, but speaking of yeah. themes that are recurring as well, um, along with Siobhan's stone girlfriend, are uh, Betty and her husband in their security camera. Yes. What's up with that? And then, he, and then she went and deleted it. Then she went and deleted it. Like there might be evidence on there that she might want to actually review. Yeah, it and you know what? Who was the person that did the graffiti? Was it the neighbor kid or was it somebody else? I didn't get a good look. Did you? I think it was the kid, but the kid was just like, like uh, you know, flipping the bird at the house or something. Yeah. So okay. as if like he knew that the cameras were there. So if that's the case, then it's unlikely that he would go and do the graffiti, right? So. So that once again, it's another, it, it could be a red herring, but I mean, it, it could be legitimately that, you know, once again, that this is all going to tie together and, and she's ignoring a, an important clue right now. Right. Because the first time I thought this was just, um, you know, it, which is how the whole series starts with, with her and going to Betty's house. Uh, I thought it was just kind of to show us what kind of person she was and how she interacts with people and her relationships in the neighborhood. But now that we've returned to the security camera again, I'm wondering... Right. Yeah, are you laying the groundwork for something else that's going to come later? Yeah, I think something's going to happen at some point. And maybe it could be that the kid did do the graffiti, right? Because it's kind of overt. But maybe it could be that, like you said later on, that all of a sudden she's going to need, you know, something's going to happen that, and she's going to be like, oh my God, right. maybe it's on that camera, right? And she's going right. to go there, right? So, and I assume that's going to be the case. 
Uh, my next uh, note here is Dylan slash Cody is not dead. <laughs> Why is he Dylan slash Cody? Oh, did I say he looked like a Cody, right? He's a Cody, yeah. He's Cody. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, do you think he's dead? And you're like, oh, he's definitely dead. But that's what, even then I was like, you know, last week I was kind of, you know, I, I did think he was dead or potentially. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they were they were not super far away from each other. I mean, listen, I would be a terrible shot, so I can't criticize anybody else. Well, well he but shot him through, like... he, he shot him through and through, through the spine. Like, yeah, the, fair the point. Yeah, he so, I mean, it's it. not like yeah. he didn't hit his target very. That, no, fair <laughs> like, point. That, yeah. It should have been, should have been a kill shot, basically. Right, and they said, had the body not been, had Dylan not been discovered when he was, then he probably would have died. Right. So right. let me withdraw my criticism of Aaron's father's. <laughs> marksmanship <laughs> exactly he did a very good job maybe too good yeah. a job erin <laughs> is 16 he said she wasn't she weren't sure if she was a, t um, a high schooler yeah i don't know why i thought she was just out of high school yeah good point. maybe because she wasn't in school you know so then uh but i thought so too i thought she was a little bit older so i was surprised to find out she was so young but maybe she was home during the day well i mean it was probably the weekend because he was there it too. was the weekend i guess yeah. is what it comes down to yeah right. but it wasn't it was a friday they established that it was a friday in january in the first episode and it could so have been i guess after. it was just after school mm -hmm. i also like the fact that they were <laughs> very fixated maybe someone read the scripts or saw the first couple episodes when they were producing them and thought like we need to establish ages here because i noticed in this episode people are very specific about age <laughs> you know they're like <laughs> saying like uh, she's 16 I'm here on my, it's my 15th graduate, you know, high school, uh, yeah. you know, a party. Uh -huh. And, uh, and what was the other one? Oh, it's like, um, you know, Guy Pierce saying that, you know, like it was 2001, my book had just come out. Yeah. My son is my 20 son years old. It's like, it's like, there's yeah. all this math going on in my head, trying to calculate everybody's ages now. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> what else was it? Oh, the scene where she goes and questions her ex, <laughs> extremely, uh, awkward, uh, questioning that, that whole situation. But you know what, honestly, I really find him more and more unlikable in mm -hmm. each episode. And it's a little bit hard for me because, you know, I know him from the office. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's kind of a jerk and, on there too, right? You know what? But it was more like he was just clueless more than anything else. Uh, right. Here, it seems like there's more malice to me. And I, you know, some of that comes across. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about is that I think in this episode, it becomes very clear that everybody really, really does not like Mare. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. and I feel for her, I don't know if it's like the underdog or I've already grown attached to her because we, and we'll talk about her in a minute. She does something really terrible in this episode. Mm -hmm. yeah. But um, it just, everyone hates and resents her and it has come out so many times. And the thing that they use to hurt her is her son's suicide. Which to me, like if I knew a parent whose child committed suicide, I, I would be tiptoeing around that. And, you know, I, I mean, could you think of something more hurtful, right? Yeah, yeah. To, for someone to have to experience their child taking their own life and then to throw it in their face the way um, Brianna did in the other episode, the way Frank does here saying, well, I'm willing to talk about him when you're not. I mean, obviously she has so much pain tied up in this. That it's not, you know, out of some sort of malice that she doesn't want to talk about her son. She's clearly carrying so much responsibility um, for whatever happened with him. Like she says, right, to the detective in the bar when he's drunk that, no, I wasn't a good mother. You can see she feels she should have been able to save him. Um, you know, Siobhan makes the comment about her being embarrassed in the movie theater and having them leave because of the, the Tourette's. Um, right. 
you know, I think it, it and then uh, Carrie, right, the, the mother of Drew, I remember his name now, Drew, <laughs> um, you know, talks about how much her son hated her and would hate to have his grandson raised by her. I mean, this poor lady is just having this thrown in her face every time she turns around. And I honestly don't know how she remains so stone faced. And, you know, when everybody is constantly attacking her with this, um, you know, but I, I'm off on a tangent, sorry. <laughs> but so, uh, you know, Frank is one of those that that is yeah. doing that. And I understand that'd be a hard thing for a couple to go through, but it just seemed very mean spirited. And, you know, she came over there, tried to have a conversation with him outside, right? And for some reason, when he knows that she's investigating this girl and her, her murder, he knows that he's lied to her about his relationship with, right. with Aaron. And he's going to dig in his heels because they're playing a game of trivial pursuit. Right. I mean, right. come on. Directly to that point, I think I, I agree. Like the scene is kind of terrible the way it plays out and it makes it casts her in a bad light. Once again, it kind of makes her feel like she's flying off the handle and even her friends trying to like intercede before she goes there. But you're absolutely right. He's intentionally hiding that relationship with Aaron. Right. So when she comes over, it's like, I want to talk to you about Aaron. He should at least think about, you know, what he's already hiding about it. Right. Because exactly. if he was, if it was totally innocent, he would have been like, I helped, like, think about it. He's like, oh, I was, I'm really concerned about this case, you know, uh, after our, our son died. Uh, it, she doesn't have to bring that up because obviously that's a very sore topic for her. But he could just say that, you know, I helped her out when I found out she was pregnant. She was one of my students and I, I helped her out when I could. I dropped off supplies and stuff, right? So it's it's not like weird to, um, to, to, uh, to A, have just said that in the first place. And B, if you are covering something up, and she brings up Aaron's name, then, you know, just out of, you know, your own conscious, uh, you know, uh, be a little more subtle about it instead of just being like, he knows her, right? She's going to potentially blow up right there on the spot. Yeah, he's really doubling down on it. And I think, you know, also, right, this is in front of her daughter. So it's like encouraging that, like, it's okay to talk to her that way. And, and, you know, it just seemed to me like so disrespectful and so disdainful. And I just feel like you get that from so many characters that they have this disdain for her. They have this resentment of her. And um, I, I can't, you know, maybe it's warranted. I think there's stuff we don't know here. Right. But from the, the perspective I'm seeing it from, I feel for her because what's it like to go through your entire day and almost everyone you encounter resents you for some reason. In defense of the show, and, and I mean, the show has to prove itself out, to be honest, but in defense of the way the show is potentially written, it's that there could be legitimately be and i read it this way so hopefully it will bear itself out uh it could potentially be the fact that here's someone who you know as far as the town is concerned she's the police right she's she's not right. just a police she's the police right they've probably all had to be questioned by her or something in the past or their kids have gotten in trouble or something right and uh, and they know she's very imperfect they grew up with her they know whatever scandal she got into when she was in high school and college etc so they probably know all of her skeletons in her closet but yet she's judging them right so there's probably mm -hmm. an animosity there uh, there's also the resentment about the other girl disappeared that they feel yeah. like she probably hasn't done enough of a, a, a show for, uh, done enough work, I should say. And um, and the last thing possibly is, you know, and, and this will circle around to another theme that maybe resurrected itself here, which is her with her dad, which I thought was interesting yes. that they finally, I was asking about this last week, like what's up with yeah. her dad? Well, now we know some of it. And uh, maybe like, we don't know why he died. Maybe he died in the line of service. Maybe he was right. a crooked cop. Maybe there's some stigma attached to her. And uh, so, yeah, so I think there's some history there that, um, that, that we haven't figured out yet or seen all the way through yet. 
And then one other thing that I thought was interesting about that scene is they did at least one quick shot of Faye, uh, Frank's fiance, yeah. where she had a very interesting expression on her yes. face when all of this was going on, right? That maybe, again, planting seeds for the future. Yeah, so you know, she maybe, definitely knows something right. more. Right, she yes. knows more than you would think, right. yeah. Right. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with that. And that's the other thing that kind of makes her seem less unreasonable is that Faye's not like, I can't believe you're saying this, she feels, um, you know, she seems like she's not comfortable with the conversation. And then, of course, the next day when she goes and picks him up at the police station, she's, you know, she won't even like basically look him in the eye, right? So there's mm-hmm. something, she knows right. something that, you know, uh, or she suspects something, one or the other. You know, maybe she knew at some point that he was involved with one of the students or something. And then this happens and she's like, well, was that the student or something, right? Mm-hmm. So, the next thing I have in my notes is where is that restaurant that Guy Pierce took her to eat? Because that looked like a really cool restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? They actually did pin this to a location, right, of Haverford College area, because that's right. a real school. Right. True. Uh, so, you know, whereas I think the town is fictional, we at right. least know a very real context for what the location is. <laughs> so that's some information we didn't have before. Wait, you know what? Let's yeah. go back to that dinner for a second, too, because now... Um, because, because my record is so poor, I'm going to flag every weird thing that came up in this <laughs> yes, episode yes. so I can say I knew it. <laughs> um, so before you even start, I just want to let you know that you're not alone, by the way, I literally wrote down the notes at the dinner that I'm like my clues detector went off <laughs> like 14 times during that conversation, but go right? ahead. I, I think I got to be hundred percent in agreement with you. Go ahead. So they have this conversation, right? Where they're kind of, you know, sharing more about their history and she's sharing about you know, all the stuff that she's going through, which I think it seems like a character like her, it would be hard to share that kind of stuff. Uh, and he talks about, you know, we find out that he has an, an ex and a son with that ex and uh, they had gone through a rough time. And he just makes this offhanded comment about like, I spent years waking up with women I didn't want to see anymore. Right. And I just thought that was the strangest comment. I think it's, um, it wouldn't, I wouldn't find it strange if, you know, I spent years having one night stands or, you know, something like that. But it just was like a very strange turn of phrase to me right. uh, that actually stuck in my head. That like, what a weird way to say that. Right. And again, I don't know if it will become anything, but I want it documented that I noticed it in case it becomes important later. He, he, uh, he's still my number one suspect as, as terrible as that Is that be. right? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, my clues detector was going all over the place on that. <laughs> There's too many weird things that they're still trying to uh, suss out about him. Like you said, there's that weird way that he mentioned these women that he was hooking up with or, or having relationships with. There's the whole weird thing. Like there was this weird time with his wife and, you know, and then he's like very dodgy about like, and then, you know, like he didn't, he just says like, we weren't together anymore. He doesn't get into specifics about it. And then it's like his son, but now they're, you know, and then he says something This is kind of weird the way he talks about his son. And then he's just kind of like, but we're good now. We're good now. Yeah. So what's going, weird. what's, yes. Yeah, so like I said, there was a lot of weird uh, vibes in that whole entire uh, conversation. So, uh, which was especially weird because he's trying to draw her out. And then all of a sudden she's talking about things she never talks about and he gets very dodgy. Right. So it, it, it yeah. was, the whole thing was very weird to me. I did think there was some nice comic relief in this scene where he meets uh Oh, the mom, yes. Mare's mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was good. That was good. So that was nice. The whole, you know, Mare's told me all about you. No, I only mentioned you 30 seconds ago. <laughs> exactly. What are you talking about? I just mentioned them. <laughs> and I will say, like, as someone with a, 
<laughs> you know, with a relationship with my mom that has some issues as well. I could see uh, the three of me, my mom, and a potential date having these exact same interactions. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, and then now, uh, so maybe we can save this to the end because it's going to pay off. But I wanted to talk about the the new priest. And um, and uh, and mm -hmm. I basically put a note in it early in the episode, but maybe we save it to the end because there's that big reveal at the end. But um, uh, okay. so uh, uh, so I talked about this already a little bit, which was um, yeah, we, about the um, her uh, father issues, right? So I already talked about that mm -hmm. because I remember asking you about your relationship with Kate Winslet, and I never yes. really talked about that with myself. And I actually I'm a big fan of hers, even though a lot of the movies she makes I don't really like. I always like her as a performer. And mm -hmm. I saw her all the way back when she was a teenager in uh, Heavenly Creatures. It's an Australian movie. Yes, I've seen that. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah that's excellent. Mm -hmm. And Peter Jackson, before he did The Lord of the Rings movies and became this big blockbuster director, it's like a tiny, small movie and a uh, very interesting storyline. But she was great in that. And, uh, and you know, whatever, 16, 17 years old at the time. And um, But she was really good there. But anyway, I've always been a fan of hers. Good. Oh, and uh, Eternal Sunshine is Spotless Mind. Another great film. Of course. One of my favorites. But anyway, uh, her uh, her performance, the one scene that got me was, and this is where she can be really good, uh, and it's maybe the only scene that I emotionally connected with in the whole uh, show, even when she was talking about her son and everything, it was the scene where she is getting her revolver and her badge from the drawer. Yeah. And uh, she just sees the photograph of her dad, and there's just this look on her face for a second, and it like tells you so much more than you know all the other uh, you know uh, talking in, in that show. And I thought that was very good acting on her part. Yeah, I'm really enjoying her in this, and and maybe we should talk about now the that scene and what led to it. Right? Yeah. Is, um... Maybe we'll start with the the all the way back to the <laughs> the drunken conversation because that's the night that everything happens, right? So yes, and right, she says that she's oh I can't remember the exact turn of phrase she used, but she's thinking about a bad idea. Is that what yeah. she said? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and you wonder what she's talking about. And then they have their conversation, which was so entertaining to watch. Yes. And she, you know, puts her hand in her pocket, right? And you see the little decal on the baggie. Right. And I didn't and, even know what uh, it was at that point. I was like, I don't know, for some reason, I thought it might be ecstasy or something. I had no idea. Like, I didn't even realize I was kind of clueless there as to what she was planning. But yeah. And I didn't put it together either with that prior scene of her in the evidence right. room. Right. Uh, where she was scrambling for something. And I assumed it was somehow related to Aaron's murder uh, that, you know, she was trying to put clues together. Um, but, you know, apparently she was stealing from the evidence room. She didn't even rebag. She didn't even rebag the evidence. I mean, anyway, <laughs> she put in the same baggies with the alien faces on it. Like, that's very bad work. On her part. Well, and also just like drawing a line through the number of bags or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very clear, like very obvious. <laughs> So, I mean, listen, I don't find Carrie, the Drew's, Carrie, who is Drew's mother, I don't find her particularly likable. Um, you know, I, I have no fondness for her. But then at the same time, you, you know, very strong argument should be made that a biological mom has some right to have custody of her child, given she does not seem to have her life together right now, that she seems right. to be on a path to getting her life together. I wonder if maybe she's jumping the gun with the custody stuff, but maybe that's just my uh, lawyer side coming out. Um, and I, I think, you know, we've talked about, right, her, the pain she's in over what happened with her son, how she yeah. likely feels that had she done things differently, it all could have turned out differently. Right. And the idea that like, well, 
you know, her fear that this is going to happen again with right. Drew. And maybe, right. you know, maybe in her mind, this is her chance to do things the right way. And, right. you know, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say that. No, I was just agreeing with everything you're saying. And yeah. uh, the only thing I was going to add there was that, and that, uh, yeah, and that I am actually sympathetic to her. Not that she should be planting evidence, obviously. Certainly but I'm, not. <laughs> I'm sympathetic to, yeah, exactly. But, but, uh, um, but sympathetic. But the desperation, the, right? Yeah, like exactly. Because I put myself in those shoes and I'm like, okay, this woman is an addict, right? And not that people shouldn't be able to be reformed, but also she's been, you know, she's had uh, a you know, significant, based on her uh, characterization of her, significant schizophrenic uh, episodes right, right? Like, yeah. envisioning people in the trees following yeah. them around and stuff right and you think about entrusting this child uh, to the mom which like you said which makes sense you know there are ways to to deal with that situation where you can just be much more involved much more monitoring that could be less you know where you basically force yourself into her life to, to make sure the kid's okay but still i'm very sympathetic that you know if i was in that situation i would be very worried especially having after having lost my son right like this is you know what's left of him right and that that's very um uh yeah troubling so yeah, I, i'm sympathetic you can see um you can see in the earlier scene with her and her mom right where her mom has told drew you might be going to live with with your biological mom which you know right. i personally also think that that was not the appropriate thing to say to him at that particular time i knowing what little i know looking in but, you know, you see how she spins out of control very fast at the idea right. of the kid not living with her anymore. And I think you can see how deeply she feels that. And then, right, she apparently goes and well, I, the conclusion I drew is that she goes and meets Carrie because um, her Richard had suggested to her you should go talk to her and tell her that you want to keep Drew in your life. He did not say you should go talk to her call her crazy, call her an addict, yeah. you know, tell her all the reasons she's an unfit mother and then plant drugs. The conversation didn't start off antagonistically though, right? So it did seem like yeah, when they true. cut in, when they cut in, it seemed like they were being like nice to each other, talking about like, you know, being a mom and, you know, like, oh, he's growing so nicely and you're doing such a great job and blah, 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 blah. And then when it gets to custody, it gets very, very ugly, very fast. <laughs> right. Uh, so... You know, so you see everything that built up to it, I think, and you get a good idea of the desperation she's feeling. And I think you kind of understand that even though this is a terrible, terrible thing that she did, she never should have done it. I am in no way sanctioning it. But, but you know, very desperate times call for desperate measures. And she's, she's trying to hang on to this one thing that she has. And you know, possibly the only person in her life that doesn't resent her also, from what I can tell. So, um, you know, you see how she ended up in this position to make this very bad decision. Right. right. And in fact, right, she's going to end up losing, it looks like yes. she's losing the other thing that really means anything to her in her life and her kind of her definition of who she is, right? When she's in the bar talking with the detective, she says, you know, my whole life, I knew I was going to be a detective because my father was a detective, right? Right. Like, that's the one thing she's sure about. And right. she's losing it. It's her identity. Right. Exactly. And then like, yeah, and she probably, you know, she, you know, she criticizes herself justly or unjustly, maybe we don't know yet, uh, of basically being not being a great mother, but given the relationship with her, her daughter and possibly the relationship with her, her son, um, they, uh, um, you know, she maybe wasn't a great mom. So like you said, maybe she was so driven by her work 
that she always kind of neglected her family. So even more so, this is her primary identity, right? And that, that's very um, problematic uh, if she loses that, which of course is probably where she's at right now. Which right, and I mean, she's not, uh, whatever criticism you may have of her, she's not stupid, right? No. So No, she's actually she, a very good detective. I think we proved that out in this yeah, episode. We exactly. got to talk about that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, she knows the risk she's taking and what the consequences could be. And right. I think it's just a measure of how desperate she is that she's, right. you know, willing to roll the dice on that. Right. Speaking of her being a good detective. Uh, so uh, I, I definitely want to circle back yet again to that uh, bar conversation. But what leads up to it, which is the that investigation that night, right, of trying to find mm -hmm. a bullet. First of all, finding her finger. Really? Like, <laughs> maybe you have some insight into this. But do you think that would be even feasible? Wouldn't that like well, deteriorate you know, or get eaten by some bird or something? I mean, first to follow up, I'm happy we got to the bottom of the gunshot situation because yes. last week I was kind of like, what gunshot? She looks like she took right. a shovel to the head. So <laughs> at least we figured out exactly what happened with the gunshot. I did think the finger thing was very strange. Yeah. Um, and like just a weird detail to add yep. into this yep. whole story. Like, why would it need to happen that way? Why couldn't she just have been shot? I don't know. And weird to throw it in there. It's not like they said, like, you know, in the earlier, like during the autopsy, they're like, look, her finger was shot off, you know, and you know, like, just like to basically say, like, now in the third episode being like, we're looking for a fingertip. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little weird, a little messy with the script things, but, uh, but I'll forgive. I mean, that's a minor detail. Um, I, but it does feel a little messy like they were like trying like maybe when they were writing this episode they're like well how like we need to prove the body was somewhere else and then they come up with the missing fingertip and you know they find the fingertip it really feels like a contrivance basically um uh, so that whole thing is weird and uh we'll leave theories to the end because i'm very curious i mean i have no theory but i'm curious to know if you have one as far as how their body got out there in the first place oh yeah so I, this is one specific note i have about that time where is he suddenly so eager to try to like impress her like when he's like saying oh you better get those dogs and all this yeah like, so i need those dogs when did, you know which is interesting i don't i don't think it's accidental i think maybe it says something about his um we're finding out something about him where that maybe he was just tenacious so she may respect that in him because maybe she's the same way and he cracked that case and he became the star but he was really just working hard right is what he, was, he was just doing the grunt work and he's not like some kind of like columbo that goes in there and figures it all yes. out right and uh, but maybe that's his reputation. So now he's just trying to keep pace with her, right? So I didn't I didn't have any issue with any of that. I thought that was kind of interesting. I was just trying to read that scene where he's so eager to please her but all of a sudden. Well, you see that he's grown quite fond of her, right? Because yeah. at the bar, he kind of is hitting on her. Oh, he right? definitely hits on her, yeah. So he definitely does. In a very, very awkward way. That's like the funniest. His his grin in <laughs> when he's hitting on her, that <laughs> grin is hilarious. That is exactly what you know you look like when you're hitting on somebody. <laughs> Wasted that in mind. <laughs> I'm telling you, I definitely had flashbacks to some office happy hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I, I thought that was interesting too, that like he is so um, eager for whatever the motivation may be for him uh, to stay on her good side and to impress her and to get things done at this point. Whereas last episode, um, it was kind of more just like, I think he was confused, you know, like what the dynamic was going to be, how to win her over. He was still figuring things out. Um, this week, it seems like he's kind of like figured out their dynamic and is trying to, uh, you know, just go along for the ride. What else do I have here? 
Oh, uh, Shaban uh, with uh, with um, the the DJ. A very cute scene. Them flirting with each other. Mm-hmm, but once again, mm-hmm. I'm like, what is the purpose of it? What is happening? Why do we exactly? Do this <laughs> I agree with you. I mean, I even I understood it up until the point even where she returns to give the sweatshirt back. I mean, yeah. that just seemed like some screen time that could have been used another way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or cut out. I mean, you could. There might be a, an episode later where we could develop some kind of romance uh, with her. But like, do we need it here? Like this scene, this, this episode was so overstuffed with stuff. I mean, she's, you know, planning evidence. We're, we're getting people's backstories fleshed out. You know, th- there's the whole uh, scene of trying to find the bullet, which is like a whole drawn out sequence where they're in, basically searching the park for a whole day to find that bullet in the tree. And it's like, there's so much in there. And I'm like, and now we have this, like, wh- why is this here? Like what's happening? <laughs> Maybe it was that um, college radio station. Was that at Haverford College? Maybe there's going to be a tie in oh, with Richard. Maybe. Oh, I thought it was high school because I was thinking this might be some kind of, I don't know, magnet school or something because she's doing the documentary, which is something that I haven't talked about, but the documentary she's making about her brother, which I'm sure her mom is not going to want to watch. But um, uh, then like walking out of the editing room and then walking by the DJ station. So I'm not sure if that's. Oh, instant. I missed that. Yeah. Okay. I so I'm not sure if it's different all... locations entirely. Hmm. Yeah. Unless I've merged it in my mind and, and you're right. But I, I think that I was assuming they were all in the same school. Hmm. Oh, I think the only last thing I have, I don't know if you have any other notes, my last thing, and we could talk about the priest here too, uh, like mm-hmm. what his backstory is, but it's him disposing of the bike, of course. So now we know where the bike was, right? Yes. So, but what we don't know, right, is how he connected with, with Aaron that night. Did she right. call him and say, come get me? And he threw the bike in the trunk or did right. he? Right. And he, and potentially he's just, you know, and I think it's a red herring, to be honest with you. It's probably that he may have been accused of pedophilia or something previously. And that's why he had to get moved. And I'm sure we'll find out because they're investigating that currently. And then of course he's like, you know, maybe he picked her up and she got a ride from a friend or something. And he left, you know, like you said, the bike was still in his trunk or whatever. And he's like, I got to get rid of this because it's going to look really bad. Right. So he might just be covering his tracks based on his previous, um, exploits whatever they have to be kind of the the yeah. impression i took from it is that he's panicking and thinking it's going to look bad so he should get rid of the bike uh, it seems too obvious it's otherwise. too early yeah i said the same thing even three episodes in it feels too on the nose that you know obviously that would de- you know directly tie him to it uh and it still would make sense that how would he get a gun and why would he drive her so far away and yada yada, yada. so all of that seems in a it, it, like it doesn't. So, make what any do sense. you think about who called in the anonymous tip? I'm wondering if it's Mare's cousin, the other priest. The anonymous tip about the bicycle. About why the priest transferred. Oh, I don't think it's the other priest. I don't no, think so. Hmm. hmm. But maybe, maybe it is actually. That's actually. I I was saying I don't think so because I thought that they somehow were covering for each other in some way. It seemed to be like they were in cahoots about something. Hmm. But maybe it was like, maybe those scenes are totally innocent. He's just being like, everything okay? Like just purely just checking in on him. And maybe he did, you know, maybe he is dropping an honest tip to Well, to I mer- mean, I was mer- thinking right. that's who would know the circumstances of the transfer, right? To, right. to say, right. you should check into this. Right. It wouldn't make, yeah. It's, it, it, he's definitely the most likely to have done it, like you said, because who else would have that um, knowledge, right? Right. Um, uh, you know, uh, maybe somebody like from his previous exactly. jurisdiction or whatever. Yeah. But then how would they have noticed this story in the news or whatever? Maybe they do. Maybe they, maybe someone's following up on him and it could be from wherever he was previously. But like you said, internally, they would obviously know, right? So that that could be, he is, you know, or maybe, she, I, mean, I don't know, but maybe she'll actually question her, her cousin about that. Father cousin, as I call him. 
Yeah, her cousin, the father. <laughs> exactly. Did you have, uh, those were all my notes. Did you have anything else that we uh, missed? I think those were all my notes too. I mean, I did enjoy this episode. I thought a lot, you know, we learned a lot about a lot of people because there are so many people to learn about. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, you know, the previews for what's coming next looked good. I was very interested. Um, even though it looks like we're going to meet a therapist now, in addition to everybody else we already have. Uh, so, but, you know, I would be very interested. I mean, Mara seems like someone who would have very interesting therapy sessions. So. Oh, so any theories? What's your theory? Do you have any theories on uh, who might've done it or how she, minimally, maybe not who did it, but what was she doing out there and who got her out there? If you have any theory. Oh gosh, you know, I don't feel like there were enough um, new clues given on that particular <laughs> mystery, even though that is the central mystery of the show. I think <laughs> everyone proves themselves to be very mysterious in many ways, but, but as to this one thing, I don't, I'm no further along than I was last week. And in, in fact, I'm probably uh, two steps backward from last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At one point I thought was really interesting uh, that they made is, you know, if there was no sexual assault, why was she stripped right. of her clothes? Right. Um, like there, there's something weird going on, right? Because that's a, a very strange thing to do to right. your victim. And I guess uh, the fact that they left her where people had last seen her must mean something, right? That the murder occurred 13 miles away. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a theory either. It, it's very confusing, like you said, the idea that someone would have had to have gotten her out there. She's 16 years old. She didn't have her dad's truck unless she, I mean, no, I was going to say unless she borrowed it, but then how did it get back? No, he specifically wouldn't let her borrow it. So I mean, unless she borrowed it, like, you know, she got back to the house, he was there drunk, he she mm. took the keys, et cetera, mm. right? Yeah. But okay. even if that's the case, then how did it get back in, in the end, right? Um, so that, uh, doesn't make sense. And like you said, the logistics of getting her around and then intentionally, obviously moving her back and putting her somewhere, not like, you know, burying her or even putting her deep in the woods where some hiker or, um, some dog would find her, uh, weeks later, uh, like right where she could be seen, like right near the, the trussel where, you know, she literally was the night before, mm -hmm, right? So it's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, obviously intentional to be fine for her body to be found. Yeah. And, and placed there too, right? It's not even like a wash downstream or something. Yeah. So, um, uh, and we know that it wasn't washed downstream because we see her dad like laying in the rocks. So it's not even like, oh, well, you know, when the flooding comes, you know, mm -hmm. the, you know like everything catches there because uh, he would have like drowned in the middle of the night or something, you know? <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, so, which is very morbid for him to go lay down in those rocks, by the way. Um, yeah, you know, I never even thought of that until just now, yeah. But the um, uh, but anyway, the uh, yeah, the, the placement of her there is obviously intentional. And um, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it, I don't. It, but I honestly don't know who it could be. I doubt, definitely don't think it's the priest. I think the priest is just covering his his, his ass. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know who it could be. Yeah, everyone's got something to hide. But yeah. are they hiding this particular thing? Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's kind of like how some of these shows are. Right. It's about, you know, you end up digging up everybody's. Um, secrets because everybody has a secret but it doesn't turn out to be this secret right exactly <laughs> <laughs> so, and it yeah. looks like yeah. from the previews we're going to return um i think it was a preview for next week and not for the remainder of the season but i'm not positive uh, to the the first missing girl katie right she's going yeah. to become a plot point again next oh week. yeah that was a, that was yeah that's the uh, spo um, that's not spoiler i guess it's a trailer for next week 
is that someone is basically reaches out and says that you know the the daughter is alive and the the mother needs to raise money to to release her right so now whether that's right, but true, only five thousand dollars i mean five thousand right. dollars is a lot of money but when you think of a ransom i mean right. five thousand doesn't seem like much does it she works at a convenience store how much money can she have you know so you think you think maybe they adjusted it's a sliding scale for the ransom. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> okay. it's like when the, it's like when uh when hackers like to lock up your computer they're like you know if you're a you're a bank it's a million dollars if you're like an individual it's like 300 bucks you know they'll work, they'll work with you <laughs> maybe very equitable <laughs> exactly exactly but like how much can, can we see a w2 or we, we'll uh, adjust accordingly yes your ransom bracket <laughs> exactly exactly um Okay, so I think that wraps it up. Oh, I was going to leave some space here at the, in the end to not only do uh, recommendations, but yeah. do, follow, do follow up some recommendations if you happen to have uh, done any of the recommendations from before. And uh, very, very quickly, so I was just going to talk about your recommendation to me, the initial one, which was to watch um, uh, The Flight Attendant, which I did watch. Yes. And, uh, you know, just really high level, we, we can dig into it later if we, we want to, but my, uh, I, I already gave you my general opinion of it. I really love the first couple of episodes, love the energy mm -hmm. of it. I thought Kelly Cuoco was great, like you said. So great. Um, I loved the, you know, most of it until it got towards the end. And I wonder if COVID impacted the production at all. I did like the, them shooting around New York City for much of it. I was scratching my head going like they actually shot in Italy. Why? Like it didn't seem that important to shoot in Italy, but they, but apparently they did. Right. And it was kind of like, seemed like a very expensive choice, but, but, um, uh, but anyway, Oh, but then I really felt like the show kind of lost its way over time. I, uh, I in the middle, it kind of got very, uh, it, it kind of, yeah, there are a lot of plot holes for sure. Um, yeah. You know, and I think they try and tie it all up with a neat little bow at the end uh, with a little bit of a, an opening for perhaps another yeah. season. And there will but, be. I uh, think there is going to be another season. So like I said to you, I I, uh, I think I got, you know, my expectation was kind of like, this is all going to get tied up. And then they left so many loose ends. But I'm like, oh, well, I guess they're leaving it for another season. So that makes sense. But I feel like they kind of started developing some of those loose ends at the beginning of the season. So it's like, it seemed a little messy for me. But um, but I did love her in it. I thought she was great in it, really great. I think it did have a little bit of that feeling, which I've had with other suspense type shows of, I think they started writing this without knowing what the ending was going to be. Right. You and know? that's also where I think that the, the COVID might have impacted the production somehow is that mm -hmm. I feel like they might have had to uh, change things around like the Marvel shows, which I know you haven't watched, but like both WandaVision and the Captain America show that they just had uh, were like... Um, uh, were impacted by COVID. They had to like change storylines around. And mm -hmm. I think it made it, might have created some of the sloppiness in, in the show. So it's possible that that kind of been like maybe Rosie Perez's story line did like tie up and then they couldn't shoot those scenes. So they have her in the kitchen right. by herself, like looking at a photograph mm -hmm. and then her on a train platform by herself because of COVID. <laughs> like, well, yep, she, gets a, she gets on a train and goes away. Spoiler alert for anybody who watches that show. I. <laughs> uh yeah, no, I, I definitely did give me that feeling, which I always find unsettling of like, I'm not sure someone figured out what this ending is supposed to be, right. because right. I feel like that's when you get the plot holes, right? Like if you know the story from start to finish, right. when you begin writing it, then you know how to tie up all those loose ends as you go. Um, but instead, this had more the feeling of like, we tied it up in a bow as far as we could. And then, you know, some of those loose ends you're just going to have to live with. <laughs> right, right. Or we'll revisit them in season two, you know. 
So with that being said, like I said, I didn't dislike it. I probably would at least sample season two, like the beginning of it to see if I want to see like her as a spy, which I think would be fun because I think when she got to play lots of different, those first two episodes, she gets to really, that I think that's really the showcase for her um, mm-hmm. uh, in, in this show and, and that she gets to really like play so many different personalities and, you know, herself in so many different situations, right? Uh, she, it was a great, you know, she has a lot of versatility. And then I felt like it became very samey, even from a performance standpoint, because the plot didn't ask that much of her, really. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there was some good stuff towards the, the, the back half towards of the end. with her yes. father and her yeah. relationship with her father and what really happened between yeah. them and how that's affected her relationship with her brother and the yeah. different perspectives they yeah. have on their childhood. Um, I mean, I thought all of that was really well done, actually, uh, you know, with a lot of that uh, mechanism that they use throughout of like a dreamy kind of, or maybe more nightmarish uh, kind of world that she lives in part of the time. Right, right. With with his uh, corpse, basically, his uh, uh, haunted yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so with that, uh, uh, did you have any follow-ups on recommendations or did you have a new recommendation? Okay. You know, I don't think I have any follow-ups because I've been focusing all my time on watching Mare. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, coincidentally, uh, you know, one of those things where you just leave the TV on because you get busy doing other things and then this movie starts and you kind of get drawn into it before you know what happened. That's what happened to me yesterday with this movie called Run All Night with Ed Harris and Liam Neeson. Have you heard of it? Oh, I've heard of it. Yes. You know, I remember when it came out and it seemed interesting to me when it came out and then I saw it got bad reviews. And so then I just dismissed it from, from my memory entirely. Um, and I don't think I even read the reviews. I think I just saw, you know, whatever on Rotten Tomatoes or how many stars or blah, blah. But um, sitting here yesterday on a Sunday afternoon, it really held my attention. I'm not one for action movies and this movie is very actiony. Um, it but still you love, my attention. I know you have a thing for Liam. I know that's. I do thing. love Liam Neeson. I love the Taken movies. So, <laughs> um, so I do go into it through that lens. Um, I love action hero Liam Neeson. But uh, there was actually a, a really interesting plot, I felt. Uh, again, it's a movie that's shot in New York City. And you know how I love when the city is a character, essentially. Uh, so it had that going for it. It had. Um, you know, it had a decent sized cast, but as far as real main characters in the movie, there were very few in contrast to Mayor of Easttown. <laughs> um, so it's very easy for me to keep track of everybody. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just found it very um, kind of surprisingly enjoyable as something that I just passively ended up watching because it came on the TV. Uh, so, you know, if you're looking for, I would say like an action movie that, you know, is just kind of fun to watch and interesting and it actually, you know, does have a little bit of a deeper plot about father-son relationships. Um, so, um, you know, something that will hold your interest, but certainly is not, you know, a contemplative deep movie that needs all your attention for the entire two hours. Uh, I would recommend that movie. Um, my recommendation was a podcast recommendation, actually, which is uh, not, not that the this is like one of the most popular podcasts out there, so they don't need my help, but... Um, Invisibilia, which is a podcast about like uh, getting like deeper stories under um, things that are happening in culture. Uh, they just started a new season. They have a new host, which I'm not totally comfortable with yet. I'm used to the older hosts, which I really liked. But um, uh, the, the first episode was about how in Vermont, they started like an ad hoc 
reparations program via uh, um, hmm. just uh, uh, social media and a Venmo. And like mm -hmm. it was this crazy success because there's a very small minority population in uh, uh, in Vermont, and then yes, yeah, so someone who sudden, has visited Vermont, I yes, to that, yeah, yeah less, less than one, it's less than one percent of the population, yeah. And these people start getting sometimes thousands of dollars in their Venmo every single month. It's crazy, That's um, but so it's very interesting. And it's very interesting to just like kind of see like how, in a way, that it just it's a weird experiment. And they just talk about like how other places in the country have also had similar um, experiments, and uh, and then their their follow up um, uh, episode this week. W w didn't have to do with that actually, but the, the second episode this week is also very interesting. It's about kind of like uh, kind of misinformation and, and like the roots of that also in, in like uh, contemporary culture. So and and once again they 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 go into a topic through a very specific story, a very detailed story, and I I really like that journalism through a very specific prism. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, if people don't want to listen to that. Like I said, they don't need my endorsement. They are extremely popular, <laughs> but um, uh, <laughs> but uh, if you don't listen to them, I recommend it highly. Their whole entire backlog is really fascinating. Oh, you should uh, listen to the I think the first episode of uh, of last season was uh, the um, the host uh, who's who's Indian. Uh, um, her mom basically it's her relationship with her mom having evolved now that they're her mom is much older and then she's become like she starts skydiving and stuff. So her mom oh, becomes wow. just, like crazy free spirit. And uh, the relationship that forms between her and her sister and her mom. Anyway, I think you would enjoy that one a lot, actually. It's a very good episode. So. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. And uh, you can do it while you do your groceries or whatever. That's what I like. That's why I like podcasts so much. I can listen to them while I'm doing other things. <laughs> it's very convenient. Very convenient. <laughs> Multitasking. So. Yeah, exactly. for sure. Exactly. Okay, great. All right. I look forward to the next episode. I didn't love this episode, but there's a lot of things I want to know more about. So I'm definitely interested for the next one. A lot of seeds planted, for sure. Talk to you soon. Great. <laughs> Bye.